0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: The Chicago Bears start their season off right with a win over the San Francisco 49ers in a downpour at home 19-10. I bring on Danny Meehan to talk through the game on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel, and Danny against all All odds against what could have been a really nasty game after the first half. The Chicago Bears have started the season on the right foot. They are 1-0. They picked up a win against the theoretically Super Bowl contending San Francisco 49ers. And what a good feeling it is. Danny Meehan, how are you doing? I'm good, Mr. Robert Schmitz. How are you? I mean, come on. The Bears start the season in the win column and not to mention kind of rescue a game that looked like it was going south. I mean, we started off with a nasty enough first half that we will get into whenever once we're done with the positive stuff, because I don't really want to talk about a first half that looked like the Bears offense was completely toothless, but a wild Wild 51-yard touchdown pass off of a big scramble from Justin Fields seemed to energize the entire football team after the defense had turned in quite a stout first half and, frankly, second half leading up to that point, holding San Francisco to an early 10 points that... They never picked up any more. I mean, this to me, Danny, I'll start with my biggest takeaway, seemed like a total vindication of the Eberfluss hire. We have one football game. He is not coach of the year. He is not coach of the decade. He's not the greatest Bears coach to ever live. And I'm not saying that, but this was absolutely classic defensive head coach football where the Bears had limited penalties, took, or like, took opportunities or made good on opportunities when the 49ers committed penalties played stout consistent defense that made life tough for a young quarterback and eventually Justin Fields did a Justin Fields thing and the offense literally scored touchdowns exclusively the three or the two drives mm-hmm. after that. I mean, this is the in a sense Danny, the weird part about this is that it was kind of a dream game. When you look at the boxes that are ticked, right? Justin Fields led way, the yeah. off Justin Fields led the offense, and it was clearly Justin Fields, too. It was not David Montgomery's 17 carries for 27 yards. Like, Justin Fields led the offense to whatever points they could get, even if 19 points wasn't many. Matt Eberflus's hits philosophy came up huge, with Jalen Johnson kicking the game off with an early fumble that was immediate, or that took points straight off the board and stingy defense after that huge takeaway by Eddie Jackson too. Luke Getz's offense started to click a little bit after that 51-yard crazy play by Justin mm-hmm. Fields ending in another Justin Fields touchdown. Fields despite a nasty interception finishes the game with a 2 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. I mean like you look at the boxes that I feel like we came into the season look or er, looking to tick and this game fit them. And the Bears beat a team that I certainly wasn't giving them a chance against, and I don't think most national media pundits were either. Tell me how you're thinking, you're
0: feeling. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like in a way like you, we kind of talked pre-show, Robert. It, it was a little bit of vindication for me because I was like one of the few people. It felt like that it's like I wasn't like just hired the offensive guy just to get a quarterback guy in the room. That I just was like, find the best head coach. And for me, coaching is always about getting more than the sum of your parts. You go up and down, for instance, like you said, the the, the the defense bowed its neck today. It bowed its neck, it came out, and it, it they were hitting people. And, you know, I was even wondering in the first half, like, where Roquan was, and then all of a sudden he had his one thunderous hit against Trey Lance, and it was like Roquan had arrived in the second half, and he was flying around the ball. But to your point, Robert, they checked all the boxes. They came out. They played hard. They were disciplined aside from one really weird penalty that I didn't even know was a rule with the, they've dried some of the, yeah, was bizarre. <laughs> <But I've, laughs> like, I get it. You, you're the defensive head coach and your special teams coordinator has got to know the rules, but I've never seen that called ever. Like <laughs> I didn't think that was a problem. Like if anything, to me, it's like a safety thing. Like he's making sure Cairo doesn't slip and like tear something, right. pull something like, but, we now know, and we're not going to hopefully see that again this year, but it's like it was three penalties versus, I guess, the 11 or 12, the San Francisco 49ers had. And it was more importantly, don't beat yourself. Make them beat you. And that's kind of the hits philosophy in an instance, or the, you know, the, for lack of a better term, the, the Tampa 2 or cover 2 philosophy. Give them enough plays, they're going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all predicated on. Obviously, the conditions help you, but both teams are playing in both conditions. And I would argue, And I'm sure you would agree. I think Fields' interception was much more egregious than Trey Lance's. Horrible. I mean, That was a terrible throw and a terrible process.
1: It looked like a basic cover three look where the safety didn't drop out and mm-hmm. he stayed in the middle of the field. Fields must have just never seen him. I I can only imagine Fields right. thought that he had a more – either a variant of cover three where that middle of the field was going to be open or maybe that he saw the too high pre-snap and just assumed that they were going to stick with too high. Whatever was going on, he truly – what it
0: could be, a, it could be as simple as just Moody's his guy. Could be. When in doubt, go find eleven. Where is he? I mean, like that's possible, <laughs> but you can't throw
1: middle of the field, dead center, fifteen yards downfield blindly. You cannot. That stuff
0: happens. No, you cannot.
1: But two touchdowns help out.
0: <laughs> like I mean, right? And that and that's like again, the touchdown pass wasn't pretty. It was kind of a fluttering duck that got to a Dante Pettis who was not within 20 yards of anybody right he was wide open he took it the distance and and all of a sudden felt like the momentum after that play changed and that's i i think i even put it in our chat where i was like it's a jump shooter seeing a three-point shot go in mm-hmm. he's been cold all game he's been missing he's been missing he's been missing and all of a sudden he gets his corner three and it hits nothing but the bottom of the net right and I- sometimes that's all you need to see is mm-hmm. that one go in and all of a sudden it's like oh thank god <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not to mention, I feel like there were a lot of pieces of that offense that... Okay, so look, yes, I'm very excited about Fields because I feel like what... uh I feel like what Fields did today is a nice reminder of how he understands his tools and how to use them. He spent the first half where if he did get any positive yardage, because there was not much positive yardage to go around, it was via scrambling. Rolling out, nobody covering him, go run for a couple yards, get eight, get nine, get ten, first down. He ended up, if memory serves, with 30 yards on the ground, so it wasn't a ton right no. but it was enough apparently to where when he wheeled around on that pettis touchdown mm-hmm. the entire 49er defense just sold out going to cover him and field set his feet and even Correct. the even one of the brightest rainbow balls that you're going to see dropped into pettis without Anyone remotely close to him. And then guess what, Danny? Credit to what this offense does. I don't remember who it was off the top of my head, but somebody made a massive block downfield.
0: EQ. Was it EQ? Because It was EQ. And if, if I saw the play right, I want to say he even threw a block to keep fields upright. And then he sprinted across field during the duck and went and blocked. For Dante Pettis. Which
1: is huge.
0: I mean. like, and I could I could be missing. I don't want someone to come at me. You're wrong. Like, I, I'm just going off of what I think I saw in the moment.
1: We'll get the All-22 like, on Monday. Yeah. I know I'm excited yeah. to review it. But the <laughs> point is, is that we didn't have guys standing around waiting for the play to end. We didn't have people taking penalties. We didn't have everybody trying to run the same direction. It felt like the whole team hustled from whistle to whistle throughout the game. I mean, whether it was Jaquan Brisker absolutely flying around, right? Whether it was the fact that, by the way, they ran just enough of those rollouts to where when EQ sold a block and then popped out mm-hmm. for a route, he was Robert Tanyan open when it, like, mm-hmm. on that crosser that Fields then just dropped right into his hands. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not as if... Yeah, I know. Uh, it, it's not as if... <laughs> I feel like Fields had some incredible game today, but weirdly enough, and I saw this in the comments, I want to just repeat it, um, this was a game where Fields carried the offense to a win. It wasn't pretty. It's not like Fields has a sparkling stat line. He does not. But it's the truth that a huge play by a young quarterback catapulted this offense into 19 points, which is not a ton. I mean, I know I mentally have this offense at about 19 and a half points per game, which is not incredible, but unlike the Nagy era, they didn't end up with three. You know, they put up a respectable point total and a feisty defense defended the lead. And that's, that's kind of what you're aiming for. It, it yeah. helps. It helps that I swear there was a flash flood the moment the Bears took the lead. Like they they went up two scores and the wet or the football gods themselves said, nah, Trey, you're not allowed to throw the football. I kind of felt bad for Lance near the end of the game because we could barely see through the rain to watch the game, let alone could Trey grip the football and let that thing fly. But you know what I the mean.
0: Football, and it also it became evident at least to me near the end of that third quarter where if his first read wasn't open, he was gone. He was just dropped Go, drop the eyes get up the mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that it resulted in first downs and rushing yards and 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 stuff like that but it's just like you can see why if the rumblings from last year are true this at the other that he didn't want that that specific quarterback now whether or not it's true we'll never know until years and years down the line kind of thing but you can see where that kind of frustration would set in where it's like even to something as simple as the tight end on, off the play action jimmy probably hits that throw or just making a simple rock pro- progression from one to two to three to get the ball out. Mm-hmm. But it's the growing pains. Yep. Their ce- their ceiling is much higher with Trey under center than it is with Jimmy under center. Because mm. we kind of know where that ends. Well,
1: I mean, it ends in apparently a Super Bowl appearance and a separate NFC <laughs> Championship game appearance. I'm not even, like, I, I would qualify myself as a Jimmy G hater. But to say we know where that ends, like, I will say that nerds like me have been way too vocal about Jimmy G critique when the team does – look, Danny. Oh,
0: I'm a Jimmy G – I'm 100% a Jimmy G hater. I think that guy sucks. I can be
1: a Jimmy G hater, but I still think that the Jimmy G offense manages to put 21 points on the board. Like, Bears lose in a heartbreaker kind of thing. I'm not saying that I know. Mm -hmm. I don't. For sure. But – Once those wide-open 25-yard dig routes dried up, it felt like the San Francisco passing offense didn't have any particular fangs. And
0: and there was was more than just the weather at play. Javon Kinlaw going out as early as he did when he was clearly abusing the interior very early on matters. Jeff Wilson becoming the primary back when Eli Mitchell gets announced out for the game with a knee issue. Those are things that matter. Right. It's football. Everyone gets hurt. Everyone eventually has to miss some time or this, that, the other.
1: Yep. And speaking of, we're going to have to keep an eye out there on uh, on Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson, just like the 49ers are going to have to. Like, it, it was a nice week to not have George Kittle out there. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, I feel like number 85 did not have, for the Bears, obviously, did not have a particularly good game. I mean, I don't know. but the Bears, somebody texted me to use an example. Uh, They were like, what is up with Mooney? And I'm like, well, the only target Mooney's had got picked off, and the Bears have 26 passing yards. So there wasn't a ton of passing stuff to go around, partially because this 49er defense is really well put together, but credit to the offensive line. I mean, this is the kind of thing, Danny, that I feel like we can point out an adjustment that the Bears went from getting abused on offense to being just good enough to win apparently uh, Mm -hmm. by the end of the game that i can't wait to actually look at the all 22 because when you hear that tevin jenkins is rotating with a guy playing on a club Mm -hmm. it's awfully strange but the bears offensive line went from getting destroyed to apparently good enough and i'm very interested to figure out what happened there because The Bears obviously made just good enough decisions to jimmy out some uh, yards in the run game. I feel like Khalil Herbert's performance is going to go unsung, but we should sing it. That... He, good. He's doing a really good job being a one-cut running back that can find the lane and hit it. And I feel like honestly, it's something that thirty-two David Montgomery is struggling with a little bit. But I don't want to start any fights on the internet. No, today. I mean,
0: but that's something we talked about a couple years ago with David Montgomery that he sometimes he's got tremendous feet and ability to make people miss and stay and stay upright. That's his gift. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you rely too much on your gifts. You're going to run into that issue. This isn't a new thing with David Montgomery. I'm a Montgomery fan. I'm never going to sit here and besmirch the guy. But right. Khalil Herbert was object. Two things can be true. You can like a player and he can have a bad game, and you can think he's that the backup isn't as good, but he can have a better game. Right. This was this was a game more for Khalil Herbert, who just get downfield, hit the hole, shoulder, go. go.
1: And on that uh, on that touchdown that he had. He, I feel like Herbert's a bit stronger when it comes to cutting back than David Montgomery is. Mm-hmm. Now where, where 32 really beats up 24 is pass blocking. The it, it does feel like Montgomery is much stronger in a blitz pickup role or an outlet back role. Like mm-hmm. we saw in his reception that he picked up the field mm-hmm. for some 10, 15 yards. There are plenty of things. I, th- I would say the little things to being a running back that David Montgomery does, I think, a lot better than Khalil Herbert. But mm-hmm. Montgomery... Soaking up seventeen very unproductive carries is something that just—I mean, we were happy. It doesn't do anybody any good. Uh, it's it, just him getting beat up. It does a lot of people pretty bad, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. because if you're going to call a run on almost every second down, and that run—that was the average, part I was going to get to. Right.
0: It felt very neggy-ish at points, or if it was second <laughs> and seven plus, it's like they're handing the ball. We're running the ball to get dude, here. It comes and it just good. God, man, throw the
1: football. Right. And, I mean, there's some of that stuff that truly, Danny, we don't know because we aren't on right. the sidelines. And we we can't tell if there was Justin Fields st- sitting back there saying, do not make me throw that ball. It's not going to work on second down. Like, I, I don't know because right. it was slippery.
0: I mean, it was, it was wet out there. What field conditions were to that where when you saw Khalil Herbert – sometimes hit open grass or even look at look at pettis on that touchdown Mm -hmm. those are two not just fast but they're legitimately nfl fast and they look like they're running in mud yep it's like that's the conditions of what the field was like yesterday Mm -hmm. or this afternoon it was today um yeah this afternoon (laughs) (laughs) r.i.p rip the dream fam rip the dream but it's like it's just one of those things you have to understand that the field conditions were not good. And if anything, had I, had you told me that this was the conditions coming into the game, I'm the person I shot from the mountaintops. I love Shanahan, the play caller, because if he figures out inside zone is working, he's going to line up inside zone in 18 different looks and punish you without inside zone until you can't stop it. Right. Because he doesn't care. But I think it was actually you who brought it up where – if you change, if you take away the accessory plays that allow him to just abuse you with it, it makes it a lot harder mm-hmm. when you can't just key on play action and just be like, all right, this is what we're going to do. What a weird game, man. But a good weird game. Very good weird. I
1: mean, if oh. anything, this feels like something that you truly can build off of. I mean, look, Danny, far be it from me to completely leave analytical thinking at the side Right. Mm -hmm. But silly, silly stuff like Justin Fields taking the knee in the victory formation and he leading the entire offense down the field to just slip and slide and have a ball in a big win that that they know as well as we do nobody predicted is the kind of stuff that just makes you think that maybe the bears have really found something. I mean, the funny part is, is that when I say that I'm not necessarily saying, Oh, fields is all of famer. Like the 49ers found something with Jimmy G man. Like there can
0: be the right and combination. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you don't need, and again, is it easier to, to get the pr- proverbial spin at the wheel in the playoffs when you have Justin Herbert, or- Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Lamar Hill. Jackson, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. When you have these these quarterbacks at the helm, it is easier to get the proverbial spin at the wheel. Sometimes you need your quarterback. though. And at this point, I don't want – not that I don't want. I, I don't need Justin Fields to be Justin Herbert or Pat Mahomes. I need him to be the best version of Justin Fields he could potentially be.
1: Right. And I mean and
0: – I, And I think what you're – to your point – seeing the slip and slide at the end and the rallying of his team following behind him, that kind of, st- it's again, it's like the same thing. Like it's easy to laugh when Flus is introduced and, and preaching the hits principle. And he sounds kind of like a goofy college coachy coach.
1: God, you say goofy college. I'll go even harder. I, I felt <laughs> like his get the track shoes on thing was like, oh yeah, that was like Ugh. high school JV coach tier. Like in the world of just, I'm not saying that, you know,
0: you get where I'm coming from. I get what I I get. I do. But it's like, it's one of those things like we are on the outside of that locker room. Right. Now, I will tell you, football players are weird. Coaches are weird. They're not normal citizens of the United States. You know, they're they're very built a little bit differently. This kind of rah-rah stuff just works for them
1: and maybe most importantly in my in my opinion uh i think that when i take a look at this game that you can really note the fact that the 49ers uh they like they had an illegal man downfield penalty they had multiple defensive holding penalties they had late hits on Justin Fields they gave the bears tons of chances that the bears did not give back I mean, we are very accustomed mm-hmm. to seeing a late hit get called that extends a drive. We're very accustomed to seeing stuff go against the Bears that, I mean, it kind of happens to all sorts of, uh, of teams throughout the league. And mm-hmm. you could say that it's good penalty luck. I mean, there's totally truth to that. But the Bears were disciplined today. I mean, they did all those little things. It's a silly that, thing to point out, but in the, pouring, the, in the pouring rain, Danny rookie Trenton Gill still caught the 15 to 18 yard long snap and got the punt away touchback or not. Like that's huge. Mm-hmm. And so uh, all
0: that little stuff I, I take a look at. And, and there's, there's other little things that, that make you do like the, Ooh, as like a fan, like seeing Dominique Robinson bend the edge and get Trey Lance by the shoulder pad and rip him down with one arm. Stuff like that is big because that's in a rookie contributing on a fifth-round contract. Mm-hmm. So he had one and a half sacks. And the other part about that is if you're, like, a person who loves, like, the ability to transfer speed to power and seeing pure, unadulterated, grown man strength, Trey, Trey Lance is not a small person. No. He ripped him down with one arm. Yep. Like, that's that's big boy strength. It's was... like, ooh.
1: That's wild. That's a fifth round pick. Danny, not to to crow too hard about that. Arrowhead Pride did this like legendary article back in 2014. So old data, I know. But they went round by round, position by position, taking a look at how often that position turns out a starter. And what they found is, is that only 6% of players picked after round four at edge make any impact at all. Like whether it, it it they would have had to qualify as a starter to make this category, but mm-hmm. Dominic Robinson out of the fifth round doesn't happen normally. Travis Gibson out of the I think he was the fourth round, fifth. or fifth. he was the fifth round too.
0: I know he was out of Tulsa. I thought they traded a future. He might have been a fourth. I think they traded a future fifth to go back up into the fourth to go get it. I think you're right. Maybe that or maybe it was a, a future had, fourth I had, I had, to
1: get a fifth. It could have been whatever.
0: but Something like that, yeah. I, I can't recall off the top of my head. That
1: doesn't normally happen. I mean, there is a whole lot of... Yeah, they traded a future fourth for Gibson into the fifth. If the Bears... Oh my goodness, we do not know yet, uh, just to be so clear. But if the Bears, because Mike McGlinchey's no pushover, found an instant starter out of the fifth dadgum round, Danny, there are a lot of things about this team that start to change pretty quick. Like, yeah. there, everybody has gone into a Bears offseason before. Let me, let me say this before I'll give it to you, and then we'll hit break. Mm-hmm. We'll come back. We'll talk about some of the specifics. But sure. we have all been a part of these offseasons where we go in and we say, if— Equinemius St. Brown was just overlooked by the Packers, and if Byron Bringle was really starting to hit his stride, and if Dominic Robinson is a beast, and if the whole league just missed on Braxton Jones, and if Larry Borum really picks it up, and if just Justin Fields takes that next step, the Bears are going to be 11-5. and Like, I've been a part of so many of those. I, I grew up mm-hmm. a Bears fan. We do this, right? but there, You talk yourself into the best-case scenario. There are a yeah. lot of these things that are breaking the Bears way right now that hey it's one game week one overreactions are common across everything because obviously the, the Rams suck right like I mean what we saw on Thursday night was not a good showing by them let's let's ease off just a little bit we don't know but this is a huge win a lot of the players like Brisker like Robinson like Fields sort of um like ESB I think we saw good things out of Pettis. We saw a lot of good from a lot of
0: players that needed to be good this year, including... We also saw some very good blocking out of Byron Pringle when he was out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The... Like, it's small stuff, but it matters.
1: It's the stuff the Packers have been doing to absolutely kill the Bears for forever. I mean, it's, it's a simple play to go back to, but any chance you remember in the middle of the second drive... um, I I feel like or in the middle of the second drive, Darnell Mooney caught a swing pass with somebody. I think it was Pringle, as a matter of fact, out in front of him. Pringle hit a big block, and Mooney turned out seven yards that when the Bears then ran the ball in the next play and got four, picked up a first down. It's those little things where in the Nagy offense, it felt like if they threw a swing pass out there, the guy's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage because the blocks were just never there.
0: Yeah, and that's a mentality and a coaching thing. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, Cody Trough asks, who most surprised me in this game at this point? I'm going to go with the entire defensive line, by the way. Uh, I could say, like, Roquan Smith. I could say Nick Morrow. But I really expected this defensive line to get pushed and shoved around a lot more than they did. And the 49ers had their moments. They had their big runs. But they didn't. Gash the Bears like I anticipated what I would call the most creative run scheme in football to uh, to mm-hmm. do, and that might be what really put this game on Trey Lance's shoulders, you know, that mm-hmm. if, if the 49ers didn't need to throw, they wouldn't have, but they ended up needing to throw. And massive credit to, I I can't wait to figure out who it is. Like, was it Angelo Blackson making all these stops? Was it Justin Jones coming up with these big plays? Who was soaking? Was it Armon Watts? Could have been?
0: I saw saw Watts get in there a little bit, especially near the end, but who knows? Like, I I really need to go back and watch it.
1: Who was soaking the blockers? I want to know.
0: It's all recency bias, yeah. Especially in this defense. The nose tackle matters for just, hey, free people up. Let people go hit
1: right Danny yeah. any any other overarching thoughts before we get into some of the specifics
0: um I will t- I will uh, you know what I'll save my overarching thought because it's a specific player I wanted to give his flowers <laughs> I'm normally very <laughs> critical of I can't wait
1: perfect yeah. in, in that case I'm going to flip us over so we'll let our sponsors get a word in and we will see you guys after the break talk to you in a bit Yay, sponsors And we are back with Bear With Me. I'm here with Danny Meehan going over the Chicago Bears' huge win over the San Francisco 49ers. That if I can be honest with you, Danny, this feels, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, like the inverse feeling of how I felt in the Week 1 2019 massive epic loss that the Bears suffered at the hands of the Packers. I know that just made you grouse, but
0: yeah. this is this is a win. I, I have blacked that game out in my memory. This
1: is a win that I never saw coming, much like that game was a loss that I never saw coming. But this one has me feeling particularly perky. So as we now get into the second half of this podcast, Danny, I find it only best Mm -hmm. that we talk about some specific players. You said there was somebody you wanted to give flowers to.
0: Who you got? So I will give my flowers, especially because in the first half, I thought he looked really rough, and that's Eddie Jackson. I'm on Rule 3, on... even when you listen to the lunch pail draft cast and whatnot, I'm very critical of that because when you're paid like a top five safety, you better play like a top five safety. And I get a lot of what he does is not quantified this, that, the other. It's like the Brian Erlacher argument where he didn't have tackles that Ray Lewis and London Fletcher did. Why is he in the hall of fame kind of thing? Right. But especially with how it started when, when Debo Samuel put his thump into him to get into the end zone and put him on his ass. <laughs> this is rough. And it was like, <laughs> like, oh, here we go. Like, dude, Rap and drive. Stop trying to throw your shoulder into someone, especially someone like Debo, who runs with conviction. But you know, he settled down. He started making plays, and I think we may have started to see like the the I don't want to call it a reemergence, but the the Eddie getting the monkey off his back, so to speak. Like the when he got that interception, if you could kind of like feel the weight being lifted off him figuratively when. It's like the Steve Steve Young thing where he finally wins the Super Bowl and he goes to his teammate, "Oh, I finally take the monkey off my back," kind of thing. Right. And it's like it almost felt like that for Eddie. Now, obviously, first game, things can change, but I said when they hired Matt Eberflus, when they drafted Jaquan Brisker, this that the other, that this feels like this if there's ever a situation for Eddie to get back right and become Eddie again, it's this situation. Yep. With these linebackers in front of him and that
1: safety next to him. Yep. And I'll tell you, okay, so Danny, I hate the term Stan, because I think that there are some youngins out there that don't recognize where it comes from. And that song, and man, baby. I mean, while that song is <laughs> awesome, being a Stan mm-hmm. is not something to be proud of. That's the mm-hmm. whole point. But Yeah, it's, it's scary. I am me. I am kind of an Eddie Jackson stan. And so, like, there's, there's tons of this stuff that, like you're saying, I mean, this is the Eddie Jackson that I feel like I always saw in his game, but finally he's playing on a secondary that's tight enough to give him the opportunities that quarterbacks just didn't have to take when they had Kendall Vildor, who I'm not... Not totally trying to hate
0: on Kendall Vildor, but he, he had another rough game at the start.
1: When, to say. Oh, yeah. But when you have Tashawn Gibson and Kendall Vildor and Duke Shelley all taking up space on the field, like you just don't have to push the ball to, or into Eddie Jackson territory when you don't feel like mm-hmm. it. And rookie mistakes in all from Kyler Gordon Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, Kendall Vildor, Eddie Jackson, and there's a fifth one. Jalen Johnson is a Jaylen much Johnson. better secondary and is going to give Eddie Jackson. And many more chances when I mean it's not an accident Dan that he picked up his first interception since I believe 2018 if 18? if I'm yeah. if I understand it correctly
0: I think but so because I think he had a couple taken away from him
1: but he picked it up in the first position in a long dang time when the opponent had to press the Bears have not been a good enough team to opposing offenses in a position where they have to take chances that they do not want to take for quite some time they did that today they for fo- mm-hmm. and they forced a ball to somebody who oh goodness i'm gonna have to change the adjectives is a very very good deceiver um he is a master at for getting the ball like to come in his direction so mm-hmm. um like eddie eddie made that play Like, there are a lot of safeties that we've seen. Deshaun Gibson last year had a perfect interception that I like to laugh about because Mark Andrews dropped the ball right into his hands, literally. Like, rolled over.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was the look-what-I-got moment.
1: Right. That happens all the time where somebody can end (laughs) the season with three or four interceptions and none of them were actual made plays. This was a made play, I felt like. Did you?
0: I did No, like we were talking pre-show. That was – I felt like he – I don't – again, like you kind of mentioned – I'm not sure if he baited or read, but that was he broke and he took the ball, away. and yep. I'm also the guy who says you can't game plan for turnovers, and that's what I what I I was probably said that at nauseam a couple years under Fangio and Desire. It was just like you can't turnovers are not a game plan until you start preaching that kind of thing where it's just like everyone rally, everyone punch, everyone go for the ball, right. And that's something that wasn't done under Fangio. And that's fine. That's just not his style. Fangio is one of the foremost defensive thinkers in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Or was. I don't... Yeah, he's not coaching right now, I don't think.
1: Super good anyways. That 2018 Bears defense is legendary.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's legendary. So it's just one of those things, like, it's a mentality thing. And this is clearly, you see it already, where it's just like, they're all like trying to stand up and punch. And if they're blocked, they're even swinging one arm out. That's how Jalen Johnson got that forced fumble. He literally just, he was blocked. He stuck his left arm out and he just punched it. Just punched at it. I mean,
1: it's, it's fun. It's really fun to watch because this team. Okay. So I didn't think that this defense, I didn't, I didn't, Honest opinion, I don't think I wanted to believe that this defense was going to be able to put up fights like this, but they did. I'm interested to see what happens against quarterbacks that are able to stretch the passing offense a little bit more, because I do think that the Bears are pretty liberal about keeping somebody in the box to stop the 49ers' run attack. But Mm -hmm. this was stingy. I mean, this was truly... Anything that any super positive borderline homer Bears fan would have said about Eberflus did this in 2018 with the Colts. Why can't he do this with the Bears defensive personnel? Holding a team to 10 is hard. Holding Kyle Shanahan to 10 is very hard. And so, Mm -hmm. like, flowers to Eberflus... Eddie Jackson, whoever you want to give it to, because I saw somebody in our chat here say that they thought Roquan was underwhelming. John, I hear you, because inside linebackers are generally like—I don't want to say that it's an under or an underwhelming position, but it is Danny a harder position to succeed. in than it is succeed, to fail. Yeah, but Roquan even made some he, electric tackles when Lance scrambled that were so key.
0: I think he was—I th- I said it pre-show. I think he's—he was very meh to start the game, and it's like. It sounds weird, but some fighters don't know they're in a fight until they get hit in the face, kind of thing. Right. And I think Roquan had his first big pop on someone and realized, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, he had a few, I think three or so, where he put Lance into the dirt. Right. It was like, all right.
1: I mean, there was one yeah. of them. I remember the commentary team immediately
0: popped up and went, oh, my goodness.
1: I don't know how the 49ers are comfortable with their quarterback taking a hit like that. And they were like right. That.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And Lance, I mean, it, obviously, he's a 23 or 24 year old kid taking that. hit. He'll bounce up just fine. It's when years down the line, out of those hits affect the body kind of thing. Right. Shouts, shouts out to Cam Newton and Josh Allen. But <laughs> it's. It was a fun game. I don't want to get too out over our skis, but if you're really looking for the silver lining in an already great weekend for the Bears, it's that everything you could have wanted to happen for the best-case scenario is kind of already wheels in motion. hmm I... And it's it's a big deal in terms of the, the culture setting because that's what this year really is. It's a right. culture reset.
1: Mm-hmm. Speaking of culture reset and developing for the future, I'm going to go through a list of players that <laughs> I want to ask your opinion on. Right. Yeah. Let's start with some of the offensive linemen. What'd you think of Braxton Jones?
0: I think Nick Bosa ate his lunch. <laughs> like, uh, it, it, it's not just him. Nick Bosa is going to do that to quite legitimately almost anyone he lines up against. Um, could he have been better absolutely could he have been a hell of a lot worse sure i mean he's a fifth round rookie out of southern utah going up against one of the foremost pass rushers in the league like he was going to get his lunch taken from him a few times
1: mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm excited to honestly go back and watch his tape because yeah, well while-
0: it's hard it's hard to do line evaluation on the first watch yes. because you're not I know at least me, I don't watch it that terribly closely. <laughs> I
1: hear you. I th- I think if anything, okay, it's funny because I go back and think about it, and I'm like, well, how many clean pockets does Justin Fields really have? He had one. He, he quickly, or I guess he had two. He threw the play to Pringle, and then he threw the touchdown to ESB on clean-ish pockets, and he also had that nice long throw to Pringle that Pringle just had no separation whatsoever, mm-hmm. but the ball seemed nice enough. Um, but – all that to say I mean I guess I feel like Braxton Jones wasn't a total and complete liability
0: I mean we watched no, I don't think he was a, like a, he was just like unplayable get him off the field
1: Right I mean, if anything, I almost look back and I think to myself, I'm surprised that Jones held up as well as he did. Because I, I can't help but feel like that Thursday night game was a nice reminder to me, the Bills-Rams game, if that wasn't clear, mm-hmm. that a really good player will just embarrass perfectly good
0: players. And it's not like it's going to get any easier next week with the Packers. Mm-hmm. No. And Preston Smith and uh, Rashawn Gary and those boys coming and go coming in Lambo.
1: which speaking of any chance you've got a score checker handy and you know how the Packers are doing right now it's four down seven
0: nothing the Mm -hmm. game is in my is on my screen
1: I ask because there is part of me that thinks that if the Bears can make that one another low scoring slobber knocker (laughs) they might just be able to Jimmy loose I don't know like 17 20 points because look I I felt like this 49ers defense was a nightmare matchup for the Bears, where they were weak, where the Bears were weak, secondary versus wide receivers, but they were strong where the Bears were also weak, (laughs) defensive line versus offensive line. And so whether it was running the ball, whether it was passing the ball, I mean, the worst part about this game, Danny, is that that first four to five drives— there are some people that were saying it looked a lot like a Nag or the Nagy offense. I know mm-hmm. that plenty of people did. I feel like that's what offense looks like when your offensive line is getting shuttered by the opposing defensive line because there just aren't many plays in football that work when they're beating you on the ground, they're beating you to the, or like to the quarterback trying to pass the ball, and they're eating your lunch on screens. Like there's mm-hmm. there's not a lot of plays that really work when that's the
0: circumstance. Yeah, it remind. I forget what football movie it was from, but it reminds. There's a scene where he's like, "We can't complete a pass. We can't run the ball. Other than that, we're doing
1: great." Right. I mean, it, and that's not to say that uh, that things can't change. But the Bears in this one specifically started really, really bad when are on the offensive line defensive line matchup and now now the more i talk about it the more that i feel like like you're saying i'd love to ask you about Braxton Jones about Larry Borum but we don't really know until we can sit back yeah, and mean, click through the plays
0: obviously continue with your list i i can give you my first impression but it's hard especially with the inside like the inti- not the interior but the offensive line itself it's hard to really like, I know Larry Borum specifically had a couple where he buried his guy.
1: Right. You know, I, was I was like, going to say, did anybody stand like, out to you? Did Larry Borum stand out to you, even if it was on the run game?
0: Yeah, Larry Borum had a couple plays where he buried a guy, and I'm not like some Larry Borum guy. I still think at this moment in time he might be better inside than out, but I don't think that's in the plan. So my opinion doesn't matter on that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'll tell you that if
1: Larry Borum can find an edge in the run blocking, I thought he was awful last year when it came to run blocking. And that's not even to say, Mm -hmm. that's me just trying to be as blunt as I can. Because if he can take a step forward, if he can find that angry edge that he needs to, I felt like he was not to say playing patty cake, but he was barely doing his job just getting in the way he, of people. He I
0: didn't kinda won last year the same way he won at Missouri. Like right. He, he's he's enormous. Just shoving
1: himself <laughs> yeah. in between him <laughs> and the runner. Get
0: in your, I'm gonna get in your way and I'm gonna be very hard to get around. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. You can win that way. It's kinda how Orlando Brown wins in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. He's not like doing a whole lot he's just kind of getting in your way right and if that's not something that he
1: has to deal with or if that's a place that he can improve i can understand Mm -hmm. him starting i mean i didn't necessarily look at this game today and think why is riley reef not on the field because when the bears were playing badly to use the first play of the game that screen pass where somebody broke right past Cody Whitehair so quickly that Fields had to loft the ball to, I think it was Khalil Herbert, and Herbert almost got his head taken off on account of it. There were a whole bunch of plays throughout this game where it wasn't necessarily the tackle's fault. It would be like this one was on an interior offensive lineman. This time he, uh, like an edge rusher, whipped around and made a sack. Really the only critique I don't understand, far be it from me to question the coach on the eve of mm-hmm. a uh, of a win, I don't really understand switching your guard, like having a rotation. That made no sense to me. I, no. I would like to understand it, and somebody said it was trying to get Patrick ready to play, but I don't really get I mean, I, Yeah,
0: I can understand that, but if you can club him up now, why couldn't you club him up in the third week of the preseason, I guess? I, I... That
1: plus, he we're not planning on a season where Patrick plays guard and all i've been told oh, from the center right all i've been told from guys like Lester Wiltfong, JB, uh like Bill Zimmerman, uh, even the i've heard it with offensive line authority yeah i mean yeah. whenever i hear about offensive line play one of the biggest things i hear is that if you can get your line set leave it there and so while I get wanted to get a couple guys work, like Cody Troff says, getting them, getting them into football shape, I feel like maybe it would have made more sense to just let Jenkins play at right guard if he is the right guard, but heck, I don't know, and it worked. So again, yeah. I, I'll question it instead of just outright critiquing it. Uh, a couple other guys I could think of, we already talked a little bit about Dominique Robinson, but like, what stood out stood out to you?
0: Um, the grown man strength, obviously, um, kind of how ready he seemed, mm-hmm. like and it, obviously, it, I'll get a better idea when I go back through the game later this week and watch the the eye in the sky, as it were. But he didn't seem like really overwhelmed. Like right. he seemed like he was meant to be there, and he had good pop. He had the inside rip move to go get that sack and whatnot. It's just he just looked like he belonged. I wouldn't have never guessed. He's a guy who transitioned from quarterback to safety down to defensive end and was playing his first NFL game after what, two years at the end position or the edge position, I guess, at Miami.
1: I don't even think it was two years. I I get the Uh, impression that he played there for like a
0: year. Yeah. Whatever it was.
1: (laughs) It was apparently enough because he looked like an NFL defensive end. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. And then Jaquan Brisker. Tell me about what you thought.
0: <laughs> Star, <laughs> like, like everyone was gushing about twenty nine T- Tafanoa T- Tanoga. I can't think of his name off the top of my head for San Francisco, but for, it was like it was almost like a match game. Like whatever he was doing, I'm gonna go do this. And no, make no mistake, Jaquan Brisker's. This was a game tailor made for him to go kind of nuts. There. It was come downhill, it was make hits, it was go be Jaquan Brisker. There's going to be games where he's going to look like a rookie and he's going to have his welcome to the NFL moment. Right. Like similar to like Kyler Gordon had where he, at first glance, that looked like he just thought someone was going to be over top waiting to help him.
1: (laughs) I mean, that looked to me, (laughs) just to use that as an example, it, (laughs) it, it was cool. Because that's exactly the kind of play that you'd anticipate a rookie corner to mess up because it looked to me like the receiver sold a release into the flat that he was just going to run out as a flat option. And then he curled the route back up the field. And by the time uh, Gordon figured it out, he was obviously way too far away. I mean, Mm -hmm. to use an example of a player I think is just obviously good. Jalen Ramsey bit way too hard on on a flat route earlier this week on Thursday and ended up with, it was Stefan Diggs, right? That just ran right by mm-hmm. him and got
0: open. I mean, Oh yeah. When he made him do the three sixty or the one eighty, yes. he Completely turned him around.
1: Like yeah. obviously the best in the game, make these mistakes. So rookies will make them too, but that's just a nice little welcome to the NFL yeah. moment of you. Could, you got to have it. Right.
0: I mean, for, like I said, it, I'm pretty sure he just blew the coverage is really what it was. Could have been like, but and first at first blush, first blush, first glance, that really looked to me like he was handing him off to a safety who he expected to be there, and he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But I'm probably I'm probably wrong on that because seems like everyone else thought that he just got he, he bit totally, and that's that's part of it. It's
1: it's hard to tell. We get like one look at these things, you know. I wish mm-hmm. that they gave us the all twenty two vision or view more often. They don't, but that's fine. We get it later. But overall, I mean. We could we could keep going through, let's see, did you, we talked about Roquan, God, I think we just about talked about everybody, Dan.
0: Uh, the last guy, I would give him a little bit of credit, because it's easy to crap on the receivers and their lack of ability, but I think EQ had a solid game. Yeah. He threw good blocks, he caught a touchdown, he did what was asked of him. And kind of to your point, he, a couple of years ago, when you said Kindle Vildor can't help the fact that he's Kindle Vildor at the end of the day. Equinemius really can't help the fact that he's Equinemius St. Brown and that he's limited in what he can and can't do. Mm-hmm. He did what was asked of him. He caught a touchdown. He may end up being a surprise or maybe he gets himself a two- or three-year cheap contract in Chicago because of his familiarity with Getzee and the system or whatnot. We don't know. But at the end of the day, he did his job. Oh, and Yeah. It's one of those things. You can't hate a guy for doing what's asked of him.
1: Well, that's that's the Green Bay magic, man. Like, what, what I feel like Green Bay has done a good job of for forever, and I hate that they're good at this. Drafting
0: offensive linemen in the fourth and fifth rounds? Okay, j-
1: they could sign somebody off the street, and that offensive lineman would play well. It didn't have to be the fourth <laughs> and fifth rounds. But... That notwithstanding, they would give their receivers a role, and then they would be... The, I feel like Green Bay's always been really smart about once they have a role, once Alan Lazard is the guy that blocks, mm-hmm. right? Suddenly, he's your target on a third down. And the defense leaves the guy open that's just supposed to be doing the blocking, right? Yep. And he, And then he ends up just catching them sleeping i mean eq is not somebody i expect out there we saw a pretty they they for some reason highlighted eq on a go route he had where he got less than zero separation if it was possible for the dv oh, no, DB, he, he was blanketed oh yeah, yeah. He blanketed. like it's not as if st brown is going to be out here making crazy cuts like dante pettis actually can do but He can throw solid blocks. And because he can throw solid blocks, he can feint a blocking assignment and then go out for a route and just end up completely wide open like a tight end should. Like, that's something you'd normally expect Mm -hmm. 85 or 84 to do. But they didn't. It was EQ this time, and he ended up wide open. Like you're saying, I mean... This team did not look th- this team to me if we can edge into final thoughts here Danny. Sure. They looked like a team that when they got hit in the mouth, they realized just how much of a disadvantage they were at. This offense looked stunned. I mean, they were on the ropes from Jump Street and if anything, they were almost I don't want to say quitting because they weren't quitting, but they looked like they had kind of accepted that this, this was just how the game was going to work out. And then fields, especially right before that big play started the, uh, like on the late drive at the end of the half that almost ended up as a field goal seemed to start to rail against that. He, he seemed to be the first person that we saw on offense to break out of the pocket and find extra yards to try to start making something or to try to start forcing something to happen without literally forcing it. Like he had a couple days earlier. Um, I feel like there was or I feel like then as this game moved on, the offense allowed their quarterback to kind of inspire them. And while they didn't end up with some phenomenal statistical day, they ended up with the win and they ended up with a win by multiple scores. I mean, I believe this was one of the biggest margins of victory that the noon slot had in the NFL. Just by nine most points. Of them went,
0: went to overtime, right? They all went. I think three of them went to overtime. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, the the physicality of the hits principle, Justin Fields' effect as a leader, all that stuff, all that intangible stuff that Bears fans hope and dream about during the offseason, it felt like it really bubbled up to the forefront against a team that is way better than what I think they showed. Whether it was penalties, whether it was injuries, I don't think the 49ers are due for some massive collapse uh, at this point. But they lost the Bears, a team that I don't think had any business beating that defense. And that's something that you take to the bank. They're not going to take it away from us. Like, Obviously, if Fields ends up, if we look back on this in 16 games and Fields never does any better than this, this isn't an amazing performance, but it's a really great week one showing I, and in beating a team that I think this, this Bears team was without a doubt supposed to lose to. What did you think?
0: Um, I think it goes to show what attention to detail and coaching can do for you if you just buy in. Like like I said at the, at the top of the show, uh, coaching isn't. Always having the best talent, it's coaching up what you're given and just squeezing blood from the proverbial stone, as it were. Um, I think they did a tremendous job. I think my belief in Fields has really never been higher than it could be right now because there's something to be said for when you're when odds are stacked against you, you get you've gotten punched in the mouth and you keep coming back, and you're willing to show that I'm not gonna let this affect me, which we knew that he had that. I mean, he's been in the spotlight since he was like 17 years old, whether it be at QB one or at being that number one recruit to Georgia or, and then transferring to, to, to Ohio state. Like he's got this in his DNA. He's not some, aw shucks that I'm just happy to be here. He's wired for, I'm meant to be good. Right now. How good, I don't know. Remains to be seen. I do think that bears do have their potential answer at quarterback. But it's 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 a waiting game. We got to see how this year plays out, and I think that they've got the right coaching staff to get everything out of a under talented squad, as it were. But they've got to clean up some things, obviously. And I think it's great that they made the most of what they've got out there today.
1: Yep. Somebody in the chat just put it in a way that I think is absolutely worth sharing. Danny, they bella mm-hmm. checked it. It wasn't pretty. Right. It wasn't... It's not something... That you said at the top of the show that they didn't get any style points for it, and they sure didn't, but they won, and they won way more convincingly than meets the eye, right?
0: Right, and like, and obviously there's a way to calculate how pretty a win was, but at the end of the day, a win doesn't have to be pretty in the NFL.
1: Yep. I think right. uh, somebody else mentioned, Fields so far is the only second-year quarterback to get a win today, uh, which obviously he played against lance so one of them was going to but uh either way <laughs> not a bad title to have and
0: uh, and, and uh Kyle will Kyle couldn't play in New York so, right yeah. oh Kyle uh, Zach Zach Wilson Zach. Zach <laughs> Kyle Wilson ah. <laughs> Hey. I'm, there was an old Jets corner years ago draft out of, drafted out of the Boise. There you go. There you go. My apologies. Nice. Uh, the I'm Rolodex. Saying,
1: it's all up here, Danny. It's
0: all it's, up here, guys. It's
1: all up here. Perfect, <laughs> Danny. I'm super excited. I cannot believe that we're headed into Sunday night where we don't have to hear about how the Packers are quote unquote about to take the lead away from the Bears. This is the season start that I didn't dare to dream of, but here we are. Right. And be disappointed if you have no expectations. Right, exactly. I'm stoked. I'm sure you're stoked. Danny, anything you're working on right now that you can plug before we get out of here?
0: Uh, I know Jacob and I are working on doing a recap show for going over rookies we covered and didn't cover throughout the NFL season, so be on the lookout for that. I know we're working on time slot and everything for that, but other than that, not really. No, I'm just kind of hanging out, working, being a husband. That's it.
1: Hey, it's a full-time job. I know what you yeah. mean. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will be back with you later this week. Keep an eye on the YouTube channel, Second City Gridiron, as we've got plenty coming at you. We've got Lester's sack watch. We've got the 10-minute drill, and I am going to do what I can. We're going to see if this is realistic uh, to get an 8 p.m. stream on Tuesday going for the All-22 so that we can get a look at the All-22 just that little bit faster. But I'm going to see this week whether that's actually doable. Uh, But keep an eye out and then we will be there. I'm super excited to get busy and talk to you guys soon. Bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with me.